Before we jump in, a quick note on our content. Florida Man Murders is made for adult audiences only. It's mostly a comedy podcast, but we get into some heinous stuff over here. This is a podcast about, well, murders. We advise listener discretion for graphic depictions of violence, sexual assault. We cover serial killers and oftentimes describe their methods of slaying. Some of these assholes raped their victims, and in such cases, we refrain from going into detail and either say the victim was raped or the victim was sexually assaulted. Either way, though, we understand this could be a trigger for some, so we just wanted to give you all a heads up. Anyway, thanks for listening, and now, on with the show. You're listening to The Florida Man Murders, a true crime comedy podcast about murder, madness, mayhem, and other shady shit that goes down in the Sunshine State. Each week, your hosts, Chris, Roger, and Siege, take you on a dark, twisted journey through the bowels of the most wretched fiends and nefarious events throughout the history of Florida and then make inane quote-unquote funny observations about it all, like the half-soused nitwits that they are. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the crazy, if you dare. Okay, y'all ready? Let's do it. Good to go. Ooh, All we right. got this week. This one's a big one, crazy one. Oh, oh, okay. it's up one. It's me now. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are getting into the Gainesville Ripper himself, Danny no. Rowley. Yes. In the big five of all time serial killers. Florida has ever created. Strap on yeah. your seatbelts. Yeah. Put on your sex helmets and <laughs> let's fucking ride. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. All right. The podcast. Let's go. Let's do the podcast. Let's talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> not the excitement you were looking for. <laughs> no. right. Let's. Let's, Let's talk to each out. other about murders. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right. Dateline, 1989, Louisiana and Florida. Ay, ay, ay. Oof. Mm-hmm. Daniel Harold Rowling was born on May 26, 1954 in Shreveport, Louisiana, to James and Claudia Rowling. Wait, can I ask can I ask a just general question? You start the date line, you go mm-hmm. 1989, and then you go back to when, yeah. like, date line. The date line is usually born in 1955. It takes one. <laughs> the date line is usually when murders take place. Okay, okay, got it. Okay, and now we get into the bio. But yeah, yeah I, hey, I, I don't know if I was the only one wondering about Maybe. that. Maybe I'm sorry. It's a curiosity. I, never it. I, never I don't it, yeah. question anything. Chris is a wonderful writer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sorry. Yeah. The dayline is Louisiana, Florida, 1989, which is approximately the time this guy struck. But now we're yes. getting to his bio. 
Got it. Okay. So Sorry. he was born in 54, 1954, May 26, in Shreveport. His father, James, was a Shreveport cop, and he married Danny's mother, Claudia, when she was 19, only well, to find out that they were pregnant with Danny two weeks later. Oh, only just then found out? You mean they didn't get married because she was a, a pregnant 19-year-old in the 50s? <laughs> well, no, because James, uh, his dad, was not very happy about the uh, – the news because not only did he not want any kids of his own he hated all kids it led him to be physically abusive uh with his wife while she was pregnant with dan did he play in the nfl <laughs> <laughs> sorry no but he bought cocaine with checks <laughs> oh, good enough <laughs> when danny was born the doctor delivering him accidentally squeezed his skull too hard with clamps is that real shit Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they still use clamps, but that's maybe they shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is probably a good reason why they shouldn't. It's like picking up hot coals. Like, why are you doing? Just pull them out of your hands, man. <laughs> yeah, salad spoons. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Use, uh, use plastic tongs instead of the metal ones. Get the steak tongs with like the little forks on the end. Danny and his younger brother and their mother were constantly abused by their angry, resentful father. Claudia knew that their relationship with James was unhealthy. Hmm, you don't say. And he left her husband several times over the years, but she always returned. Danny endured physical abuse at least twice a week at his father's hands. James would even beat Danny for little things, such as holding his fork incorrectly or breathing in a way that James didn't like. Fucking just hated his entire existence. Uh, another time, James caught Danny drinking with a buddy. He grabbed Danny by the neck and physically dragged him into his car. It wasn't even alcohol. It was just like milk. <laughs> James threw Danny into a jail cell and kept him there for two weeks. Jesus. Huh? Did he have, he made it, he had his own jail cell? Well, yeah, he was a cop. Oh, he was a cop, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, I missed that. Edibles kicking in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who are you guys? <laughs> so when Danny got back home after the two weeks, his mother was there to greet him, but he grabbed a knapsack and ran away into the woods. There, he would masturbate to fantasies of killing people and controlling. Wow. He swore he would never come back home, but he did once he got hungry. I was feverishly masturbating in the woods for a while, but I'm hungry now, Mom. Hey, you got a sandwich here or anything? <laughs> PB&J? Fucking weirdo. Another woods weirdo. Why are we all masturbating in the woods? I mean, some of us, some of us aren't. <laughs> Well, I mean, some of us aren't masturbating to fantasies of killing people, but, I mean, we're all doing it, right? Right? It's, you know, I'm trying to scan back in my brain, and I can't, I can't remember a woods jerk. Yeah. I can't really... I'm a woods... The sawgrass, the Everglades. <laughs> um... Is there, is there a tugboat in something? I don't know. That's, uh, <laughs> what the hell was that? 
sounded like somebody had a plane yeah. fly over. <laughs> Sorry, I'm broadcasting from a harbor. <laughs> Your seagulls in the background. <laughs> yeah. Ding, ding, ding. That random bell that always rings the fucking dock for some reason. <laughs> Wearing a pea coat and a oh my god, <laughs> newsboy cap. It's fucking weird. Oh man. Anyway, um, so while the physical abuse was like twice a week, the verbal abuse was a daily thing. Every day, James would remind Danny that he was unwanted and an embarrassment. Yet, even with all the abuse, Danny often took his father's side during the old man's tirades against Danny's mother. Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Danny resented his mother for not protecting herself or her kids, and he hated her for her weakness. But any time his mother tried to report any kind of abuse, her husband would make sure the police reports magically disappeared. Uh, Jane? What? Yeah, he would use... He would probably, I mean, he was a cop. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's... I keep forgetting that one small detail that... He's you know. a cop, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Danny Rowling's father... He's a police officer. Sorry, guys. Uh, Edibles are kicking in. (laughs) (laughs) James Rowland would often wave his police-issued gun at his family because he was a cop. (laughs) (laughs) Hence why it was police-issued. What? The cops gave him? Just gave him a gun? What? (laughs) Go back. Go back. Dude, we're warming up. Sorry, (laughs) man. Another 30 minutes and we'll get (laughs) this. Fair enough. Fair enough. He built his own jail? <laughs> I'm so stupid. I'm sorry. That, was, that was that was so dumb. He built his own jail in his house for his kid? Because he was drinking weird. Come here. I'll show you something I made for you. So he would threaten his family, you know, to shoot them, but none of his cop buddies uh, back in the precinct, believe his wife's complaints, and they just dismissed it as a woman being hysterical. 40% of cops. Yeah. They loved Officer James Rowling, even going so far as to nicknaming him Baby Dumpling. What? That's what they called him. Officer Baby Dumpling. Nothing about that makes sense. Um, maybe he's just doughy. <laughs> <laughs> So in addition to all the physical and mental abuse he had to endure, as well as his mother failing to do anything about it, Danny was also, unfortunately, sexually molested by a cousin at the age of nine. As a teenager, Danny learned to play the guitar. He was pretty mediocre at it. But he would tell everyone that he wanted to be a famous rock star. At age 15, Danny got into a physical altercation with his father, uh, where his father punched a window. Jesus Christ, man. Uh, After that fight, Danny went into the bathroom, grabbed the lipstick, and wrote, quote, I tried, I just can't make it, in big letters on the mirror. He then walked into the woods to kill himself. After a couple hours, he got hungry and went home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did this guy ever think about just bringing a Twix or a Snickers with him? <laughs> <laughs> He's just given to very 
extreme behavior. And then he's like, oh, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to go home. I'm so, I'm so hungry. After feverishly masturbating to the thought of his own murder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Being a murderous Yeah, psychopath. I mean, I'm surprised the Snickers people haven't he's used Danny Rowling for their, their ad campaign. <laughs> You're about to murder a bunch of students. Here, have a Snickers. Not long after that incident, Danny began gawking at women through their windows. He also started getting arrested for petty crimes and robberies, breaking into people's homes and uh, holding up grocery stores. Danny began attending church and playing guitar for the church band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The church boy. There he met a woman who he eventually married, but the marriage was a disaster. Danny couldn't hold a job, and he was inadequate in bed, according to the wife. Uh, one time, Danny was fired from a restaurant job because he missed several consecutive days without calling. And when he went back to work and was confronted about it by his boss, Danny exploded in a fit of rage and threatened to kill his boss and the cook. Did he go to the woods after this? <laughs> <laughs> I like how the cook is like, what the fuck did I do? Why are you threatening me? Yeah, that, that's a bit extreme there. Uh, yeah, he didn't go to work. Didn't call anybody. Shows up. His boss is like, where you been? He's like, I don't need this fucking <laughs> shit. I'll fucking kill you and, and you. Damn. Loose cannon. Uh, he also kept getting caught peeping at women in his neighborhood. Then Danny started to share with his wife his sexual fantasies, which were often depraved and violent. This led to the marriage beginning to fall apart. Then one day in 1979, Danny threatened his wife with a shotgun after a fight, and she left him. He dealt with the uh, split up with his wife by breaking into a woman's house and sexually assaulting her. And uh, guess where he went after he did that? The woods. The woods. Oh fuck! Yeah, the woods. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, the woods. <laughs> but he was eventually arrested. Dude, what a fucking freak! Like, aside from all the freaky other shit, like just him being in the woods in the darkness by himself. Just this is my refuge. This like this has got to be the hottest start to a podcast <laughs> that we have had so far like this guy is just batting seriously yeah, no, like yeah. a thousand every yeah, fucking thing is wrong with him You're right and he can't play guitar or <laughs> <Yeah>. fuck <laughs> so the cops eventually found Danny in the woods and they arrested him and he told the arresting officers quote I'm hungry <laughs> Do you have anything to eat? He said, it's me. I did it. I'm really sorry. And the thing about Danny Rowling, you've ever seen footage or even photos, he's got this really like puppy dog eye, all shucks kind of look to him. Yeah, I mean, I've seen pictures of him. I never thought puppy dog, but uh, hey, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely looks like he's been scared of a few things. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, like, he inspired the, the Scream movies and the ghost face. Oh, really? Killer character. Yeah, Damn so that. the face sort of looks, is matched to his, like, goofy, oh, shucks, I'm sorry, guys, you know, that yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, while in prison for the sexual assault, 
uh, case, Danny tried to escape several times. During one of his escape attempts, he got into a fight with one of the guards. The guard kicked Danny so hard in the balls, it tore one of his testicles. Good lord. So Danny was released from prison in 1984, and then he moved back in, back in with his parents. Didn't take long for Danny to get back to committing petty crimes. He would break into and rob neighbors' homes, often stopping to eat a snack before leaving. <laughs> this guy, man. Just... Yeah, he'll break in your house and eat your shit, but he'll forget to feed himself when he's in the woods. <laughs> oh, these guys have Skittles. Yeah. Cupcakes. <laughs> um... <laughs> He's like a fucking toddler, <laughs> this guy. Just... <laughs> he is like a giant Well, I mean, his, his, his brain was squeezed when he was uh, first born, so maybe it just didn't develop past, That's... like, five. That's true, yeah. Maybe the uh, the part of his brain that's like, hey, you're, I'm hungry. Okay, we'll eat soon. Like, didn't work. The, the hunger slash murder cortex got <laughs> squished together. <laughs> It's it's very right next to each other. <laughs> yeah, and then and it was split by the masturbation crevice. Yeah, sure. So. It's all in the science books. <laughs> <laughs> so once after getting caught uh, robbing a grocery store, Danny requested a judge to have his hands cut off so he could stop his crimes. The judge said no. We're not doing that. Dumbass judge. Uh, <laughs> right? If only he knew. Yeah, this is, he's going <laughs> to save everyone a lot of trouble. I'm surprised that robbing a grocery store was in the repertoire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he does this a lot. It seems he rather genteel compared to the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like just pedestrian. <laughs> um, seems beneath him. Yeah. Before, before being sentenced... Danny wanted to clean up his image and impress the judge in hopes that he'd get a lighter sentence. So he shaved all the hair on his head and face, including his eyebrows. It's a clean image. Big Floyd. The judge gave him 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> this is my defense. Okay. <laughs> 15 years. <laughs> wow. All right, alien-looking man. You got <laughs> Ten plus five. <laughs> so Danny would end up only doing a couple of years and was released to, on good behavior in 1989. He went back to living with his mom and dad again and trying and failing to get work. So he went back to peeping at his parents' neighbors in Shreveport moving from staring at women through their windows to eventually peeping at entire families. Ugh. This would lead Danny to commit his first murder. This guy's a fucking creepazoid. Ugh, gross. So, whole families. Whole families. Yeah. Like, yeah. Dinner, living room. So, on November 4th, 1989, Danny went into the home of 55-year-old Tom Grissom, man whose family Danny had been peeping on for some time. On that particular night, Tom was grilling. And while he was doing so, he left the family porch door open. Danny walked through the open doors into the house through the porch. He pulled out a gun 
and a K-bar knife, which is the kind of the hunting knife that Rambo uses. Yeah, those big fuckers. Yeah. At gunpoint, he told Tom, his 24-year-old daughter, Julie, and her 8-year-old son, Sean, to lay down on the floor. Danny bound them with twine and duct tape. He stabbed Tom in the back and in the sternum several times. He then stabbed Sean in the back multiple times. He then took Julie into the bathroom and sexually assaulted her before stabbing her three times in the back. He waited for her to expire and then carried her body into a bedroom. He washed her vagina with vinegar to remove any traces of his DNA. He then posed Julie's body spread eagle on the bed before leaving. He then washed his bloodstained clothes in their laundry room before leaving the house. Oh, that is fucking gnarly. Jesus. So after this, Danny started getting gigs performing at kids' birthday parties. What? Uh, Fuck! What? (laughs) Jesus Christ, man. It's a horrible segue. (laughs) I fucking hate you. That's what happened. That's it. I I quit. (laughs) He he killed these people, and now he has a job. Hey, man, you got a job. Um, See... This is why I don't trust clowns. <laughs> My God. Yeah, so he uh, performing against parties with his guitar, and he only performed his own original songs. Oh, Christ. <laughs> oh man, I can't. Oof. And all his songs are like super emo. Just this guy. Oh man, it's terrible. I'm just picturing him doing emo yeah. stuff. Now. Hey, uh, do you? Dressed like a fucking you sad wheels clown on the bus? with like dark black eyeliner. Yeah, wheels on the bus Ooh. will run you down, <laughs> run you down. My dad hit me in the face and threw me in jail. <laughs> Fuck you, <laughs> kids. It's pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah. Among some of the, the song titles were "Hurt Me More Than I Love You," oh, uh, the kids' party. Can you imagine being the parents and like, did you hire this guy? We're getting a divorce. I'm hi- I'm getting a lawyer. Jesus. Yeah, hurt me more than I love you. Uh, another song title was "I Need a Job." <laughs> <laughs> and one song he titled "Mystery Writer." Um, I, th- I think I loaded it up here. Play a little bit of it. Wait, there's you have a recording of it? Yeah. Bullshit. Did you dig out the old LP? Mystery 
fucking that change. <laughs> Wow! It sounds like a like a, it sounds wow. like a serial killer wrote, wrote it. Like that's right in the wheelhouse of Manson style songwriting. Yeah. Now that's what I call murder, Volume Two. <laughs> <laughs> the lyrics are jingling spurs rolling into town. Old black stallion bearing a grim reaper dressed in snake-eyed, worn black leather. Mystery writer, what's your name? You're a killer, a drifter gone insane. Mystery writer, what's your game? You're a rebel. No one else can tame. This guy's dark, man. Like this guy's dark as Four fuck. minutes, same shit over and over. Bleak. I don't know, man. I like it. I, like it. <laughs> I mean, the recording quality is pretty good. Like, I like that kind of lo-fi vibe. Um, but <laughs> that change that was weird, where it was like kind of going slow and then like bang, 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 bang. Go. Yeah, it was right in chorus. Yep. I'm searching him on Spotify. Welcome back to uh, oh. Serial Killers Music Anonymous, where we rate all <laughs> Serial Killer music and give it ratings. See, here we separate the art from the artist. <laughs> so that's the kind of shit he's saying to children at these parties. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. <laughs> the Grim Reaper rolls in the town. Oh, and you guys know what else? Skin. You know what else? Get, his dad was a cop. That's too. right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I keep forgetting that. So Danny would often get angry at the adults at these parties. And would complain that only the the only ones listening to his performances were the kids. <laughs> yeah, in abject oh. terror, <laughs> mouth Jesus. agape. How many questions eyes. did these parents have to answer? I just love that he's he's like such a diva. Like, aren't you guys listening? Yeah, you're only the kids. My lyrics, man. It was during this time that Danny got into another fight with his father. <laughs> Danny also had himself a gun. In front of uh, Claudia and the younger brother, the troop traded punches until Danny whipped out his handgun. Danny then fired the gun twice, shooting James in the stomach and in the forehead. Damn. Bang, bang. Then Danny ran off. He didn't go to the woods, surprisingly. He actually went into a house. He broke into it, and he stole two more handguns. Then he left there and he went to a Westwood United Superstore and robbed that place, taking $1,000. He was caught on video telling witnesses in the store, quote, thank you, God bless you, please pray for me, God knows I need it. And two weeks later, Danny returned to the Westwood United store and stole another $2,000. God, how does this... It's like the Michael Jordan of just getting away with weird shit and yeah. ah, just a confluence <laughs> of crazy shit working out for him, not working out. I don't know. Yeah. It's wild. Like the start of this um, is fucking bonkers already. So I mean part 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 of that is, is Louisiana. 
So, I mean, you can pretty much walk into any grocery store there and just like take money out of the register and leave. I've spent my fair share of time in Louisiana. <laughs> and when I was right next to Danny, that's what I thought at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't spend much time in Shreveport. Mostly Nacogdoches. Oh, I've heard of Nacogdoches. So, uh, so during this time, Danny was back in the woods, sleeping there. The woods were near his parents' house. And he robbed houses at night and smoked crack during the day. Now, miraculously, James Rowling survived being shot in the gut and in the head. Oh my god! <laughs> he made it. Baby Dumpling is alive. Baby Dumpling don't go out like that, baby. That's not how <laughs> that it works. Freaking <laughs> chewy, that chewy brain center. Yeah, it sucked in the bullet. It's not. Like a giant marshmallow. <laughs> oh. You gotta dip that dumpling in more soy sauce and ginger <laughs> if you want it. We ain't pan fried up here. We're steamed. <laughs> we nice and soft. That's what he said. That's a quote. Um, <laughs> so with his father returning home and Shreveport cops looking for him, Danny took a bus to Sarasota, Florida. In his mind, he wanted to find fame. In Sarasota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like 3,000 miles find, away from that, buddy. He wanted to find the kind of fame Ted Bundy had. Oh. Yeah. yeah. He. Well, I mean, then yeah, Sarasota's your right place. He wanted to go on a killing spree just like Ted Bundy. So Danny got himself a tape recorder and recorded a long rambling message to his family. He began the tape by saying, quote, this is Danny Harold rolling under the stars tonight. Wow. Guy's a radio DJ stealing my gig. Please tell me you got some of that, too. It's I got very little. It's, it was, it's extremely <laughs> difficult to find. And the, when you do find it, you have to, like, pay, like, to get in. Like, oh. Really? Of course. That's, that's for the yeah. serious collectors. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, found some Reddit thread, and I eventually got like two, like a minute of it. Oh, um, Are we gonna listen to but it? But yeah, on the tape, he mostly addresses his father. Uh, from what I've read, uh, telling him how disappointed he was that his father wasn't there for him. <laughs> I mean, you were there for me, but only to beat me up. Um, and on the other side of the tape, he recorded all his original songs. Like the B-side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then he said goodbye to his mom, dad, and his kid brother. Uh, oh. And he... Let me see. All right. I guess I'm not going to sleep tonight because... <laughs> Pushed me away at a young age, Pop. I wanted to make you proud of me. I let you down. Well... I'm gonna sign off for a little bit. I got something I gotta do. And yeah. that something was masturbating the woods. Yeah, that something was murder. Murder. Yeah, that murder. shit. I heard that tape probably, I don't know, like 20, 25 years ago or something. They like had it like on Inside Edition or some shit like that. And they played that tape and I was like, 
that is the scariest shit I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, my just, spine is so compressed right now just from <laughs> listening to that. Just I'm so like in physical pain. Yeah. Oh. Well, gotta go do something now. Dude, that shit, the chilling, chilling. After Danny recorded that tape, he went and pawned his guitar. Oof. And he bought himself another handgun. From there, he decided to move down to Gainesville to start his killing spree. Uh, He stopped off real quick at Tallahassee first, where he toured the area where Ted Bundy had killed some of his victims. So So he was like a a very big fan of Bundy. Yeah, he's a real fanboy, that guy. In August of 1990, Danny got to Gainesville. He built a campsite in the woods. And he, be- he began going over to the University of Florida where he started stalking female students there. Once he got to know the campus area uh, well enough, Danny decided he was going to start his killing spree. Before that, though, Danny went to the movies and watched The Exorcist Part 3, starring George C. Scott, Brad Dorff, and featuring New York Knicks legend Patrick Ewing as the Angel of Death. What? It was while watching that movie that Danny came up with the idea that he would blame his future murders on demonic entities. He called one of those entities Gemini, which coincidentally happened to be the same exact name of the demon in the movie. Man, get your own goddamn names. He's very original. The other demon he named Enad. Which is just Danny spelled backwards. I was just oh, going to say, it's Danny backwards. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Y-N-N-A-D. Enad. So he would say Gemini and Enad were the demons inside him uh, that made him kill. This guy's just, he's just like trying to do some Son of Sam shit here too. He's, he's mixing things up. Yeah. I have a question about those demons inside him. Was it at the same time or in a row? <laughs> That's not start. That's not, <laughs> not, not. Not this week, Siege, please. <laughs> uh, incidentally, The Exorcist 3 is currently rotten with 58% on Rotten Tomato. But Danny's foray into murder didn't start off very smoothly. For him, anyway. On August 5th, 1990, he broke into the home of 25-year-old Janet Frake with the intention of raping her and stabbing her. He dragged her out of her bed while she was asleep, bound and gagged her with duct tape, and sexually assaulted her at knife point. But Janet was able to keep him from killing her. She decided that allowing him to finish was the best way to get through the horrible ordeal a lot. Wow, that's fucking strength right there. Yeah. When Danny was done, Janet could tell that he intended to rape her again. So before he could, she offered a hot and sweaty Danny a beer from her fridge. And Danny accepted. When she brought the beer to him, he asked her if it was okay for him to take off his ski mask to drink it. And she told him he better not so that she wouldn't be able to recognize, uh, describe him to the cops. Like, just keep your mask on. That way I can't tell. Fucking Janet, man. Cool. Like, wow. 
cool customer given this fucked situation. Extremely. This is fucking amazing, to be perfectly honest with you. Then Janet asked Danny about his life, his hobbies, and his interests, trying to stay calm in a storm of what she would later call pure evil. Being the narcissist that he was, Danny talked incessantly about his life, his music, and his interests. Eventually, Danny was so disarmed by Janet, he told her that maybe they could have dated if circumstances hadn't had been a little different. God, poor Janet just... On top of everything, just having to listen to this fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah, like all night. Yeah. I mean, she she allowed to talk. She allowed him to talk and talk and talk until at one point she said, it's really late and I need to get back to bed. And Danny oh, agreed. Oh, fuck. And he wow. Yep. He let her go back to sleep and called it a night. But before leaving her apartment, he asked her to do him a favor and wait 10 minutes before calling the cop. And then he left. Janet oh, Frank would be the only victim to survive Danny's murder spree alive. Wow. Yeah. Um, what a, what yeah. a thing to live with for her, too. I mean, I can't even imagine. Incredible um, fucking grease under fire. Yeah. yeah. Totally. totally. <laughs> Sane. So totally a couple of weeks later, Danny tried to kick off his murder spree again. On August 23rd, he broke into a pair of students' apartments wearing nothing but a fanny pack where he kept his K-bar knife. So he was naked. Interesting approach. But only with a fanny pack. Um, See, usually this would be where I say something along the lines of, that's the same thing I do, but no. (laughs) No chance. No chance this week. You draw the line at at the fanny pack. No, <laughs> I mean, come on. That's that's my go-to. Only, Only if it's leather. Mm. Uh, Gucci. <laughs> it's leather. <laughs> uh, but Danny was spotted by someone who saw him standing naked on the second floor balcony. <laughs> so he aborted that mission, put on his clothes, and slunk back into the woods to his campsite. Hmm. <laughs> Home base. Yeah. Guess being naked isn't the way to go. Yeah, I'll draw this up again. Mm. <laughs> That's how he sounds when he talks. <laughs> Fucking droopy See, dog. I come, I come back to this all the time. Like, the woods are a majestic place where all the little cartoon animals run around and love each other and birds are chirping and little baby Bambi and stuff like that is out there. But yet it's the scariest fucking place in the world. I mean, at night, yeah. it's terrifying. At night, it's yeah, like, absolutely whoa. terrifying. Like, you ever go to take a shit in the woods when you go camping? It's the scariest oh. fucking thing. Yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. You... Well, Chris wouldn't, because, like, Chris can only shit in, in his own, in his own I toilet. Can't shit outside my own house. Yeah, so, God, I mean, in the woods, forget about it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the very next day, Danny would not be denied. He was going to kill someone. So instead of going naked, he wore his black outfit, put on his black gloves, and his black ski mask. In the early morning hours of August 24th, Danny broke into Sonia Larson and Christina Powell's apartment. He used a screwdriver to pry open the back door. He found Christina asleep on the couch. Danny stood there, staring at her sleep for a good ten minutes. 
He then went to the upstairs bedroom where he found Sonia sleeping in her bed, and he watched her sleeping for five minutes. Just watching them sleep. Fuck, man. That's just, that freaks me out. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't sleep that much as it is, but even just thinking about, like, having somebody stand there for a full 10 ass minutes, that is a long time. Terrifying. Oh. Um, So, Danny removed his K bar knife and he brought the blade down onto Sonia. Knife hit her in the shoulder, cutting through her collarbone. Jesus. Oh. He muffled her screams with a gloved hand and taped her mouth with duct tape. He then stabbed her in the chest, hands, and arms over and over until she was dead. Danny turned and went back downstairs to kill Christina. He taped her mouth shut as she was sleeping. And as she woke up, he grabbed her arms and bound her wrists together behind her back. He then raped her again and again. He forced her down onto the ground on her stomach and stabbed her in the back five times, with some of the stabs going hilt deep. Ugh. Yeah. Now, trigger warning, this is where it gets a little fucked up. Oh, now? Now? <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Dude. This, the, yeah. uh, this, is really this might shit. be the worst episode we ever do. Like, this is going yeah, to be the top sure. one. I'm not sleeping tonight. I, I mean, we already started this after midnight. I'm just not sleep. I'm just staying up. After Christina died, Danny bent down, grabbed her body, and sliced off her breasts. He wrapped them in plastic. He cleaned her vagina with dish soap, then washed his knife. Danny posed both the bodies in sexually provocative positions. He posed Sonia on her bed with her knees bent and legs splayed out, spread eagle. He posed Christina near the front door in a way so that whoever discovered her body would see that her breasts had been cut off. Danny then took a nap next to Christina's body. He woke up before sunrise, showered in the girl's bathroom, and left, jumping on his bike and heading back into the campsite. From there, it only gets worse. The very next day, on August 25th, Danny was determined to top himself with an even more heinous and monstrous murder. At around 10 in the morning, he broke into the apartment of 18-year-old student Krista Hoyt, again using a screwdriver to bust the lock. The apartment was empty, so Danny waited for her to get home. When she walked in about an hour later, she was grabbed by Danny from behind. He punched her and grabbed her in a chokehold. He then subdued her. He sexually assaulted her over and over again. Just as he did with Christina Powell the night before, he flipped Krista onto her belly and stabbed her in the back multiple times. She died a few minutes later from the blood loss. But this wasn't enough for Dan. He flipped Krista's body onto her back, plunged his knife into her abdomen at the pubic bone, then sliced all the way up toward her chest cavity. Jesus fucking Christ. He then cut off her nipples and placed them onto her intestines. He cut off her breasts and wrapped them in a towel and decided he would leave the most gruesome crime scene imaginable. He wanted to top Ted Bundy. Using his K-bar knife, Danny first 
decapitated the corpse. He then splayed the headless body on the bed. He propped up the torso near the edge of the bed, then sprayed out her legs, allowing the intestines to flop down from the gaping wound. He then placed the severed head on a bookshelf next to the bed and positioned it so that it faced the mutilated body so that it looked like the severed head was looking at the body. The following day, a police officer conducting a welfare check on Krista Hoyt found her massacred body. Soon after, the murdered bodies of Sonia Larson and Christina Powell were found. The one thing all the victims had in common were they were all female and they were all brunettes. So the media was soon alerted that a serial killer was on the loose in the Gainesville area and that the killer was targeting college students. This began a university-wide panic fueled by the media frenzy. University of Florida students began to go everywhere in groups, changing up their daily routines. Some students began to sleep with knives under their pillows, and others even withdrew their enrollment or transferred to a, a whole other school. Numerous cops were dispatched to walk the campus undercover. The local media dubbed the killer the Gainesville Ripper. Meanwhile, immediately after killing Krista Hoyt, Danny had decided to rob a bank not far from her house. He walked into the bank with a ski mask over his face and held up one of the tellers at gunpoint. He told the teller as she was filling a sack with cash, and he shouted at her, there better not be any dye packs in there. As soon as Danny looked away for a second, the teller slipped a dye pack into the bag. <laughs> well done. When Danny got back to the campsite, he opened the sack to count the money, and then poof, a dye pack exploded in his face, covering him, his tent, and his sleeping bag in red paint. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and as he eluded the cops and spent most of his time at this campsite, Danny made a friend. He befriended a local man named Tony Danzi. Whoa. Who's the boss will be back in a moment? Stick around. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Holy shit. That's <laughs> <laughs> been living in my brain for too long. Oh my God. Without sharing it. That was amazing. Uh, Tony Danzi. Yeah, so Tony Danzi basically sold Danny drugs, mainly crack cocaine. Danny had been hanging out with Tony Danzi one day uh, near the woods, not far from Krista Hoyt's apartment. A cop who was patrolling the area spotted the two men and drove over to them. Tony Danzi stopped to wait for the cop, but Danny ran away. As he ran away, he told Tony Danzi not to say anything about him. When the officer questioned Tony Danzi, he immediately led the cop to Danny's campsite in the woods. Of course. Of course. <laughs> he didn't stick around. <laughs> At the campsite, the cop found the tent, sleeping bag, bag of money covered in red dye, and a cassette player with a tape inside. It was his greatest hits. <laughs> yes. 
listen to the songs on the B side though. Those 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 are real good. That's that's <laughs> the stuff right there. Yeah, I need a that's job. Right, that's my lead single. <laughs> Mystery writer. Mystery writer. Um, cops also found a screwdriver and a handgun. Although police had collected the evidence at the time, they failed to connect the robbery to the student murders because a gun was found at the campsite. And the murders didn't involve a gun. There's a gun at this campsite full of red paint, and they're like, this is not their murderer because their murderer used a knife. Once again, the wonderful deep investigations of the Florida police. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Even though they had a suspect who robbed a bank near one of the victim's homes and found a screwdriver at the campsite, never bothering to ask why anyone would, would need a screwdriver in the fucking woods. Yeah, plus did, did he keep the knife that he used for the, the murders? I mean, I would imagine that he did. Yeah, I guess he had it in his fanny pack. He was wearing his fanny pack all the time. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they'll never find it here. <laughs> Cops are like, eh, that's too gay. Not going in there. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not reaching in that fanny pack. You couldn't pay me enough. <laughs> Motherfuckers already got a screwdriver in the woods. I don't know where that's been. <laughs> to make matters worse, the cops never even bothered to listen to the tape. Awesome. Because we all know contained Danny speaking about the murders he was oh, going to commit. God. So instead, the cops focused their investigation on two men. Pizza delivery man, who had been delivering pizzas in the area where the girls were killed. Yeah, I remember this. They totally, they were, That's, they were like yeah. looking at it in a completely different direction. Like Danny Rowling kind of came in at the end, I feel like, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly from when I was fucking 10 or 11. So the That's pizza crazy, man was yeah. one guy. The other guy was a University of Florida student named Ed Humphrey. Yes, I remember that. I remember that guy's that. ruined because yeah. of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the pizza guy was eventually exonerated. I guess he had his alibi. Uh, but they kept their attention on Humphrey. And the reason that Humphrey caught the cops' attention was because he had a history of mental illness. And he had numerous scars on his face from a car accident when he was younger. So he basically looked like the Joker. And they figured, this must be the guy. Yo, this guy looks fucked up. It's probably him. Yeah, he looks like a Batman villain, so he's definitely never, the killer. Never mind the fucking guy we found in the woods. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, look at those eyes. This puppy, I like how we're giving like, this New York accent to these cops. <laughs> yeah, why are they New York cops? <laughs> it should be like, yeah, but... <laughs> I mean, look at this guy. Look, he's got puppy dog eyes and stuff. Like, he can't, he can't, could have done it. Look at this beautiful face. He so can't sad. be nothing with those baby blues. Those are stars on this guy's face. Haven't you guys seen movies? When they have scars, they're clearly the bad guy. Hey, it's me, Tony Danzi. <laughs> this is the right voice for Tony Danzi. Angela. 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 <laughs> Moner. Bonner. Uh, so two days after Krista Hoyt was killed, Danny began stalking another student, 23-year-old Tracy Pauls. He followed Tracy to her apartment where she lived with another student, 23-year-old Manny Taboda. Yeah. Just as he did before, Danny broke into their apartment by prying open their sliding glass door with a screwdriver. 
Danny found May Tabota asleep in one of the bedrooms. Danny immediately stabbed him deep in the chest. But, da- uh, but Manny managed to fight back. Manny was like a kind of fit dude, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes, he was a former football player, a high school football player. Yeah. He was a big guy. Uh, so even though he got stabbed in the chest, he was able to get up and tussle with Danny. Uh, and Manny kept throwing punches, but because Danny had a knife, he just kept swinging the blade, cutting into Manny over and over again as they were fighting. It was just an unfair fight. Um, but Manny managed to subdue Danny just for a quick moment before growing weak and then collapsing from all the blood loss. Danny stabbed Manny in the chest again and then brought the blade down 30 times on him before Manny finally succumbed to the wounds. Tracy walked in in the mayhem. She turned around and ran into her bedroom. Danny followed her, kicked the door down, and subdued her, and he bound her wrists, and he covered her mouth with duct tape. He had sexually assaulted her. He then turned her over and stabbed her three times in the back until she died. Danny posed Tracy's body in a hallway, but left Manny's body alone. Danny walked out of the apartment and jumped into the complex swimming pool to clean himself off. Following these murders, cops decided to make Ed Humphrey, meanwhile, their prime suspect, and so they arrested him. Even like, without any what? hard evidence whatsoever. Cops. Yeah, I was just about to say, what the fuck kind of evidence did they have other than he fucking looks like he's got scars on his face? Yeah, was he like anywhere near there or anything? Like, He was, again, he, his main thing was he's, he had mental issues and he had also assaulted his grandmother at one point. He was like yeah. a bad kid, but he had mental issues. And he was a student, but he was not a good... So he was just sort of there. And they figured... Must be the guy. It's just e- it's, it's just so easy. another fucking case of like cops just finding the easy person to pin it on and trying to find any way possible to like make it fit the story as opposed to actually looking for you know the guy they found in the fucking woods yeah. with the tape recorder and yeah they, they could have prevented these two murders that happened totally. Uh, this girl and his they're just trying to like protect their own asses amidst the firestorm of the media and everyone finding out about this. They're like, we got to get a guy. All right, so let's get this guy. He looks like he could be a guy. All right, that works for us. Yeah, so even without any hard evidence, the cops kept Humphrey in custody for five months. And they held, him, they held him on a $1 million bail. Um, wow. But a judge then ordered him released for insufficient evidence – and the FBI getting involved in citing Ed's psychological profile is not one that matched the murders. Meanwhile, while this is happening, Danny broke into the apartment of another student, Christopher Osborne, and he stole his 78 Buick Regal. And Danny drove out of Gainesville and headed for Tampa, where all he did was smoke a shit ton of crack. As one does in Tampa? Sure. He also went back to robbing homes and grocery stores. So Danny left Gainesville. was like, shit was getting too hot. They released Humphrey. He needed to get out. So he was in Tampa, breaking into homes, robbing small grocery stores. Um, During most of the break-ins, Danny robbed the homes without wearing gloves. So he left behind a lot of fingerprints. 
He also managed to leave strands of hair at some of the crime scenes. Danny started to get a little sloppy. Yeah, I was going to say, this guy's just not giving a fuck at this point. Yeah. If he ain't killing, he ain't caring. <laughs> wow. Quite, quite a t-shirt. Yeah, I never heard that before. Did you see? <laughs> doesn't quite make sense. I just I just made does. that up, guys. Wow. That's my new the new tagline. Wow. That's a t-shirt. Right there. Karen. Yeah. If it wasn't so devoid of a soul, it's a great t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so Danny eventually ended up in Ocala, about hundred miles north of Tampa. Also devoid of a soul. <laughs> Speaking of. No soul. <laughs> on September 8, 1990, Danny decided to rob a Winn-Dixie in the middle of the day on a Sunday when stores are packed and busy. <laughs> I love that his undoing was a, possibly, uh, I'm, you know, expecting it here, but that it was a Winn-Dixie that had something to do with it. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Uh, so Danny walked into the Winn-Dixie with a handgun. He pulled a gun on the store manager and demanded he stuff a bag of money from out of the office safe. An assistant manager who had arrived to the store to start her shift spotted Danny holding a gun to her boss. The assistant manager went to a payphone right outside the Winn-Dixie and called a local police station. Now it turns out on that day, the local police station was holding a scheduled training day, which meant the entire Ocala police force <laughs> was out on the streets. Fuck you, Danny. So when the dispatcher called out the call, made out the call, they all heard it. All fucking 20 cops. And because nothing ever happens in Ocala, they all went to Winn-Dixie. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Danny walked out of the Winn-Dixie with a sack of money and headed to the stolen car. He hadn't noticed that the store manager was following him to the parking lot. When the cop convoy arrived, the manager pointed Danny out. That's him, officers. <laughs> um, <laughs> was that Colonel Dade? <laughs> yeah. He's back. <laughs> uh, as Danny backed out of the parking space, he spotted the cops all heading toward him. Oh, shit. Yeah. So he hit the gas and he sped out of the lot and a high speed chase through the streets of Ocala ensued. The street. The, through the, the street, street of Ocala. Of Ocala. Right, yeah. one <laughs> Danny weaved in and out of traffic, but then he lost control of the car and he smashed into a tree. Danny jumped out of the wrecked car and started running. Part of Danny's plan to elude the cops at this point was to take off his shirt. Oh, man. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what you do. Yeah, he strapped on his fanny pack, took his clothes off. <laughs> and anybody who's run from the cops knows that you have to take yeah, off your shirt. The cops are like, yeah. ah, fanny pack. Where'd he go? Yeah. Where'd he go? We just, he was just here. There was a guy wearing a red shirt. Have you seen him? No, no, no idea who he was. Yeah. Yeah, so as he ran, he took off his shirt and threw it into some bushes and just kept running. Man, his his luck really ran out quickly. <laughs> like, <laughs> invincible yeah. to suddenly Captain fucking stupid real quick. Just taking off his shirt. 
so a shirtless Danny ran into an office building. His plan was to run Where? through the building and out of the exit through the back. You definitely will not notice him in there. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's in like a shirt and tie. Yeah. And then there's one dude just completely butt-ass naked from the waist up. <laughs> All slimy and sweaty. It was shirtless yeah. Fridays at the office. He might. I thought by casual Friday, you meant casual sex Friday. But. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he runs through the, through, the, through the building. When Danny exited the back door, a throng of cops were there waiting for him. Whoops. It's so callous, uh, so I'm just like picturing 10 cops. <laughs> I'm picturing like a scene from Police Academy. Yeah. Where <laughs> Police Academy 2, you know. The, yeah. The whole force... You got Hightower yeah. and Tackleberry yeah. just out there. Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> they scared him out the back door <laughs> with uh, Jones doing like, whoop, whoop, whoop. So, don't move uh, your bag. <laughs> <laughs> hooks. <laughs> oh, hooks, man. Best oh, movie shit. ever, man. Mahoney. So stupid. I just, yes. Oh, man. Uh, I love a good Steve Gutenberg reference. Yeah. <laughs> so when Danny saw all the cops waiting for him with their guns out, he said, quote, they brought the whole cavalry. Great googly moogly. What? Great googly moogly? <laughs> That's what he said. Flanders? Young <laughs> <laughs> <Ned> Flanders? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> That's what he said. That was real. That's a quote. Wow. I thought the Simpsons made that shit up. <laughs> That's. Uh, Okie dokie. Yeah. So one officer took Danny by the arm. A sweaty Danny managed to squirm out of the grasp and he tried to run back into the building. Shirtless. But it's probably like real wet. Like slithery, yeah, you know? super slimy. I can't catch this guy. <laughs> Help me, <laughs> Steve. You got him. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he tried to run back in the building, but another cop immediately tackled him and cuffed him. That's how you do it. Um, she grabs one of the cops. Uh, hats puts it on like they're running circles around him. Let's get him. There he goes. Puts puts a comb to his on his mouth like he's a mustache. <laughs> and they run right past him. <laughs> so the cops took Danny to the Wendixie manager to have him ID'd, and Danny said to the manager, "Quote, yeah, it's me. I'm sorry." Puppy dog eyes again. You like, guys you're, you're free to go. Fucking let dogs me off. <laughs> we got to remember he is white. Yeah. <laughs> it is North Florida. Very good yeah. chance he gets off. Yeah. So while Ocala police held Danny for armed robbery, he voluntarily told him about his fight with his dad and how he had shot him in the stomach and head. Ay, ay, ay. And the cops were like, go. "Okay, cool story, man." What the fuck? Cool story, bro. About? <clears throat> yeah, so I shot my dad once. Um, you guys don't know how cool I am. 
While meeting with his court-appointed attorney, Danny ripped a toilet from its mounting and threw it across the room. What? Got angry. And he tore the toilet out of the floor. That's pretty strong. <laughs> Unless it was very loose. Eh. Unless it was very loose. Eh. I don't know. They're only held down by two bolts and some wax. Mm. Um, his defense attorney asked for... So welcome back to Plumber's test. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So while this is happening, in Shreveport, a few Louisiana investigators began to notice the similarities between the Gainesville Ripper murders and the unsolved Shreveport murders of the Grissom family. <sighs> Meanwhile, while the news of the Gainesville Ripper was all over the place, one Shreveport woman named Cindy Juricich began to wonder if the Gainesville murders had been done by a guy she and her family knew from church back in the day the church band guitar player. That guy's name was Danny Rowling. He would hang out with her and her family all the time after church. Cindy remembered Danny always saying creepy things like, quote, one day I'm going to leave this town and I'm going to where the girls are beautiful and I can just lay in the sun and watch beautiful women all day. See, he should have made that a song lyric and the whole fucking story would have changed. <laughs> He'd have been a Beach Boy. Yeah, I was about to say we already have the Beach Boys, so I guess we need a murderous weirdo boy, <laughs> Woods Boy, Woods Boy. Um, but more importantly, Cindy remembered Danny coming over to hang out with her and her new husband Steve. Not long after the Grissom murders were reported on the news, at one point during the visit, Danny told Steve, "Quote." I have a problem. So Steve asked, what's the problem? And Danny said, quote, I like to stick knives into people. That's when Steve walked up to what? Cindy and said, he's got to go. Oh, my. We got to get that's rid it. of this guy. That's it? That's we all he said? He's got to go. He's got to go. Yeah, um, that's it. <laughs> all right, cool. cool. <laughs> Hey, buddy, you got to go, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get the fuck out of here. It's just a little bit too weird for us to hang out for the rest of the night. Cindy, remembering all these things, she picked up the phone and called up Crime Stoppers. Ah, uh, yes. Crime Stoppers. She told the operator, quote, I think there's one guy y'all need to investigate. His name is Danny Roll. All right, like... 1-800-305-TIPS. 105-CRIME. Take a bite out of crime. <laughs> McGruff! McGruff, the crime dog. Arrest him. I'm with the Paw Patrol. It's me, McGruff. <laughs> Sorry. I have one more joke in me to get out. Sorry. Continue. Uh, following Cindy's tip, Gainesville police found, that, found out that Danny Rowling was in custody in Ocala for armed robbery. They then remembered the campsite that they had found that belonged to a bank robber drifter out in the woods. Huh. Mm-hmm. Funny that. The cops went back to the campsite and thoroughly combed through it, and among some of the discarded bedding in the dirt, they were able to find pubic hair that traced back to Krista Hoyt, one of his victims. This is very early... 
like DNA forensics kind of, I mean, I would imagine probably 10 years before this, like a pubic hair, they wouldn't be able to match it or I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, yeah. you'd, have to, you'd have to hold it next to the other one. <laughs> just, they look alike. They're the same color. It's a match. Yeah. Get my magnifying um, glass. <laughs> yeah. I think what they did was they vacuumed the area and then they combed through what they found in the vacuum and one of it was a pube. And they, they also they, found they, this fire mixtape. <laughs> that's well, yeah, that's in the evidence locker. So they they go back to the evidence locker where they had found and they put the victim the items that they had taken from the campsite during the original investigation, which was a ski mask, a handgun, a screwdriver, and a tape recorder with a tape still inside. So they press play on the recorder. And the first thing that came out of the speaker was the voice of a man who said, quote, this is Danny Harrell rolling out under the stars tonight. Yeah, not great. Not great cops. Just amazing. Um, so with Danny in custody, investigators were able to match his DNA to the Shreveport murders and the Gainesville murders, along with the break-ins he had committed along the way. Finally, in, in November 1991, a little over a year after his University of Florida murder spree began, Danny Rowling was charged with five counts of murder. Danny Rowling's trial for the five student murders began on February 15, 1994, nearly four years after he had killed the students. But before the trial could proceed, Danny and his defense lawyer stood up before the judge Danny wanted to address the court. He said, quote, Your Honor, I've been running from one thing and then another all my life. But there are some things you just can't run from, this being one of those things. Thanks. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah. We really need to hear that. Appreciate it. Let's get on with fucking sending you away forever. With those words, he pleaded guilty to all counts, but because he was facing the death penalty, a jury was still required to hear the evidence and make a recommendation for punishment to the court. Life in prison or death. So from this point on, it became Danny's mission to avoid the death penalty. His defense team presented mitigating factors for why he might have committed the murders, including his troubled history with his father. Uh, witnesses, including his mother, testified to the abuse they'd seen. When asked if she ever felt that her husband was treating her son inappropriately, she said, quote, sure, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. A, a mother's love. <laughs> Good Lord, man. She would say sometimes we would put him up against the wall and the marks on his fingers would be there and he shook him a lot. and That sort of scared me. Hmm. Um, I remember differently, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> so Danny leaned heavily on his demon possession defense as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's been cooking that one for a while. Oh, yeah. Gemini and Enad. Enad. Yes, Enad. <laughs> and then he tried to look contrite every time he spoke, flashing his stupid hurt puppy dog eyes. Oh, so now they're stupid because before you thought they were pretty, like you thought it was cute, and now they're stupid. <laughs> no, I never said cute. I just said puppy dog. Oh, no. 
I don't know. I seem to remember it the way Roger did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, his fucking face. And he's... Chris fell for it, man. He's been riding him. <laughs> They're married it's the now. One ju- he's the so one juror who gets him off. Yeah. I don't know, guys. He's kind of cute. I'm going to have to vote against it. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe he did it. <laughs> Look at those face. eyes. Those kind eyes. <laughs> those, those eyebrows. They're like <laughs> caterpillars. Yeah, they're, they're like a the... little... <laughs> He doesn't have any eyebrows. He shaved them off. Caterpillar. Yeah. Like adorable little caterpillar. Oh, that's so cute. Uh, <laughs> he also claimed his motive for killing was to become a superstar like Ted Bundy. Smart. Um, yeah. Because He's that like, made a lucrative career for Ted Bundy. <laughs> yeah. I guess if you're a talentless yeah. hack as a musician. <laughs> Yeah, murder is probably you know that's a way to get famous. That's a way. I still, I still say that song had like you know that song slaps. Right, just needed the right producer. <laughs> get George Martin in a room with that guy and. Uh... <laughs> in prison, Danny spent most of his time drawing, writing more songs, and writing letters. He began a correspondence with true crime writer and self-proclaimed media queen, Sandra London. She's back. She's back. We spoke about Sandra in our hangman killer cop Gerard John Schaefer episode back in episode two. So if you don't know it, go back and listen to that one. It's also crazy. Uh, (laughs) Sandra had begun a relationship with Gerard when he was waiting trial for his multiple murders in Florida. He liked hanging women in the woods and killing them. When Sandra started corresponding with Danny, she left Gerard and began a relationship with Danny. Dumped Gerard's ass. Upgrade. Or or really bad downgrade. I don't know. <laughs> it's a lateral move, yeah. honestly. Um... Danny knew her from the book Sandra had published called Killer Fiction, which she co-wrote with Schaefer, which, again, we referenced that in episode two. So he wrote her a letter that said, quote, I guess you know who I am. <laughs> I really like that thing you wrote. Quite and I want you line. to write my story. I'm going to start using that. I don't <laughs> care if they know it or not. I guess you know who I am. <laughs> No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to be the one to do my story, he said in his letter. Danny and Sandra began exchanging letters back and forth over the next several months. And she would go on to tell the Sun newspaper that she and Danny gradually developed feelings for one another. And she agreed to come meet him in person. What? Mm, Romance. It's alive and well. (laughs) <laughs> Sandra would go on to tell one reporter, quote, when I was brought into the prison and introduced to Danny behind glass, all of a sudden I found myself responding to him in a physical way. And I was not prepared for that. Sploosh. My, my ears went red. What? It's a physiological response. <laughs> and this is why I had to admit that I love him. Oh, Lord. <laughs> My ears, <laughs> my ears went red. My ears went red. I never heard that. My nose got runny. It's code. <laughs> it's code. My one eyelid started flickering back and forth. <laughs> Twitching. Yeah. And my left it. fingernail grew slightly. <laughs> and I knew that was love. 
My tongue started choking me by itself. I love him. That's when I knew. That's when I knew. I loved him. <laughs> I, I love this chick. She's like the grifter of serial oh God, killers. Yeah. So she's, she's on this other level that we don't even fucking comprehend. Like she's on a completely <laughs> different grifting level. Yeah. Like it's so hard for me to even like fully grasp if she actually loved these people or if this was like, you know, a play on it. Cause like, I can't, I can't I, fathom how that happens. I know. Yeah. That's the, that's the confounding fucking thing about it. Ugh. Sandra would call Danny her gorgeous hunk and her dangerous pussycat. Okay, so she was definitely lying. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely lying. Together they worked on and published a, Danny's book, The Making of Serial Killer, The True Story of the Gainesville Murders, in the killer's own words. Long-ass title. <laughs> wordy. Ooh, wordy. Um, so to promote the book, Sandra made media appearances, including the Geraldo show. Perfect. Fuck yeah. <laughs> where she, perfect. <laughs> where she shared the story of their romance. Um, now Danny's mother and brother accused Sandra of using Danny for her own personal financial gain. <laughs> but Danny defended her in a letter they wrote them. Quote, I love her. And it cuts her me. ears are so red. <laughs> her ears get really red for me. It cuts me deeply to know that there are people out there who have caused her pain because she finds something in Danny Rowling to love. She had to use cuts. It cuts me <laughs> deeply. Fuck you, Danny Rowling. She finds something in Danny Rowling to love. Me, I'm Danny <laughs> Rowling. Maybe, maybe I used the wrong choice of words, Roger. <laughs> but why would you hold that against me? Don't deny look, our love. Look at my eyes through Chris's eyes and you will see <laughs> that I am true. <laughs> so one day, Sandra wrote a love letter to Danny asking him to marry her. There's so much writing during the, Dude, these seriously. death row situations. Like, there's just so much. It, it's like, you know, an old general in the South writing to his <laughs> beloved and another yeah. fucking. Like, it's, it has this yeah. romantic, dramatic flair to it that is not um, that. <laughs> I have a letter. It says, quote, I've been in love before, but it was never like this. With a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> She goes on to say, the first kind of love I felt was maternal. I love little Danny. Ugh, I wanted to yeah. make him my own child where he could grow and become all that was in him to become. Yeah. Wear nothing but diapers and lay on my chest. I wanted to shield him and protect him and play with him. Wipe his ass after dinner. Then came the thrill of the creative interplay. Yes, Knowing that you have a lit a fire in the artist in me that is burning higher, and I love that feel. Do you? <laughs> I know you feel exactly the same way. Inspired. Slowly I began to see you as 200 pounds of hard man that was on another level kind of love. That's the, the one that's become so 
dizzying. The fuck is she saying? When I finally <laughs> laid my eyes on my gorgeous hunk of masculinity, <laughs> and to be told I will never see you again, this is tearing me up. Darling, I wonder, would you like to get married? Ugh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank oh. god that ended I, I thought it was going to be a lot <laughs> I had a bad feeling there was like seven more minutes of that <laughs> page nine 200 pounds of pure strength and flesh and bone <laughs> muscle throbbings <laughs> lay your Corpuscles. giant baby self on top of me <laughs> I, grind just grind <laughs> <laughs> drool into my yes, hair. Yes, I, I accept. Yes, fine. <laughs> Jesus, shut the fuck shut up. The fuck right. up. <laughs> my God. Where do I put you? put a checkbox in here? Yes, no? I'll fucking check it. Send it back. So, yeah, Danny responded to Sandra's proposal during one of his sentencing where she was Oh, present, I remember this. I remember this. Uh, by singing a song to her. Yeah. <laughs> And I have the song. Oh, fuck you. Yeah, this was a dagger back in the day, bro. Rules say I have to give Mr. Rowling an opportunity to have a say. You have anything you want to say, Mr. Rowling? Well, sir. Uh, Mr. Rowling, I'm going to ask you to take your hat off. Thank you. I recall the day. I first saw you, I reached out to say I love you, but it was hard to say I couldn't touch you, so tell me baby what were my words, all my tears run again, down the path you choose to follow, Mr. Rollins, tell me baby what were my words, all my tears run together what were my words all my tears run together baby just like man okay you get one song and that's it mr rolling the fuck you get one song and that's it mr rolling dude you could tell you could tell at the beginning that it felt like the courtroom the you know bailiff judge whatever they knew what the fuck he was going for they were like okay uh you have to say something you're gonna say do you have any words because they and they Almost like, like it sounded like you could hear them smile about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go on, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're like, you're a clown. Do your fucking clown shit. Go for it. Okay, that's enough. Yeah, yeah. 30 seconds. Yeah, it, it, the his lawyer's like grabbing his hand, like, geez, just Mr. Rowling. Please, Mr. Stop. Rowling. Mr. Rowling. Every day you come together. Stop giving it away for free, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, all you need is a producer. Uh, there's this thing called Napster coming soon. It's going to take away all your money, man. <laughs> Can, cash in cash now, in man. now. Get CDs out there. Final. <laughs> uh, so in order to get a more lenient sentencing, Danny wrote a letter confessing to the Shreveport. Fucking stop writing letters already. <laughs> Jesus. I have a letter. Oh. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> I love when Chris does that. 
Like, there's this thing. We're like, oh, this fucking thing. He's like, I have that thing. <laughs> and we're like, oh, no. <laughs> Crack research team. <laughs> Quote, I know that sorrow, that heartfelt bane, that dross, that dross, that f- mortal flame, stone upon stone, the final throw, etched hither toe, the captive soul. Danny Rowland. Wow. Whoa. He starts, the, he starts the letter with his own epigraph in a shitty poem written by himself. It's like John Donne. And then he goes on to write, in order to fulfill all things that no stone be unturned. By here I make a formal written statement concerning the murders of Julie, Tom, and Sean Grissom in my hometown, Shreveport, Louisiana. Hal Carter, Julie Grissom's former fiancé, is 100% innocent, totally pure of that crime. I and I alone am guilty. It was my hand that took those precious lights out of the old dark world. With all my heart and soul would I, could I, bring them back. Being a native son of Shreveport, I can only offer his confession of deep felt remorse over the loss of such fine, outstanding souls. We have wept an ocean of tears, by which mournful doth afloat upon a sea of regret. Signed, Danny Rowling. Hey, Danny Rowling, fuck you. <laughs> That's cool. Letter received. Fuck off. Um, Brian Cox from uh, Succession. Great. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Are you done now? Fuck off. The jury didn't buy any of the apologies or his romance with Sandra London or his contrite confessions or his aw shucks puppy dog eyes. (laughs) <laughs> and recommended five death sentences for Danny, and the judge agreed, sentencing him to execution. Mm. Uh, so was the fiancé, like, the person of interest bec- this whole time because of that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Hal Carter. Um, so on the last day of his life, Danny tried one last appeal to stay the execution with the U.S. Supreme Court, but he was denied. Because he did it in a poem. <laughs> he tried to sing it. And they're like, no, 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 no. This is, it's good. We're good. U.S. Supreme we- Court, I like you <laughs> I just want to go home. That's actual, that's actual footage. <laughs> he can put Chris's voice on like a scratchy tape. Like plug in. <laughs> he would know the difference. <laughs> I'm sure there's a TikTok filter. <laughs> Dear Supreme so, Court, I'm begging you, <laughs> let me go back home. I killed so a bunch Danny. of people, but I <laughs> didn't know why. Oh, man. This fucking guy. Terrible. Um, Danny had lobster tail at his last meal uh, at the Florida State Prison. Just lobster Good, tail. He had to work for it. <laughs> Yes, that's good. <laughs> On his way to his death, he sang a gospel hymn. 
so we don't have a recording of that. Thank God. Uh, (laughs) He declined to make any final statements. His execution was witnessed by many of his victims' relatives. On October 25, 2006, Danny Rowling was executed by lethal injection. He was pronounced dead at 6.13 p.m. Eastern. He was 52 years old. That is the end of the Danny Rowling life and story. And uh, he was a monster. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy hard. Um, Not usually a fan of execution, but uh, this one, just shut the fuck up already. Just enough with the songs, (laughs) enough with the poems, and the pontificating, and the the, da-da-da, just enough. That's enough. Ugh. This is the first one that I've actually felt physically sick. Yeah, this, this one was this one's the toughest. So, a lot of sources. Uh, the book A Monster of All Time by J.T. Hunter. Another book, The Gainesville Ripper by Mary S. Ryzik. A study, Danny Rowling, The Gainesville Ripper by the Department of Psychology, Radford University. Orlando Sentinel article, Identity Crisis Gets the Blame for Danny Rowling's Behavior, by Jim Leesner. The ABC News article, How a Woman in Louisiana Helped to Break the Case of Five Student Murders in Florida, by Glenn Rupel, Sean Dooley, and Anthony Rivas. UFT TV special, Four Days, Five Murders, by Chris O'Brien. 2020 television special, The Devil in Gainesville, and the A&E television special, American Justice, co-ed slain at the University of Florida. And that's it. Mm. Holy shit. Great googly moogly. The Florida Man Murders is a five-reason sports production. Researched, written, and produced by Chris Joseph. Music by Roger Rimada. All source material can be found by visiting floridamanmurders.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, kids, only assholes murder. So, don't be an asshole.